perfect. All right. Well, Jackson, we live in a brand new world. I guess so. A world so. of canceled events and empty buildings and right. churches and museums and theaters and all those things. And more by the hour, it seems. Yes, yes, I heard today that the NFL draft will not be a public event, <laughs> but, um, I don't know, completely in-studio type of thing. So, uh, it's a crazy, crazy world we're living Yeah, it's been so. strange. It's been a strange few days uh, ever since. We got together last week. It's like every day you hear a little bit more about mm-hmm. things that are changing, and so that's fine. Uh, we are not in control of our world, and we're all learning that more and more every day. So let me ask you, did you experience the great toilet paper exodus? I have not experienced it yet. Thankfully, at my house, we have plenty, and uh, I trust that, you know... Uh, plenty that, is a relative term nowadays. Right, you know, yeah. Um... <laughs> So we have a fair amount of all the supplies that we need, and uh, wonderful. I have confidence in all of our retailers and their ability to. You know, the only thing that's good about being an American at this time is we consume a lot anyway. Right. So we've already prepared our, all of our uh, grocery stores and mm-hmm. every kind of store. Don't like. They always have more. Than we they we already consume a lot. Now we are uh, not necessarily consuming more, but we are certainly buying more. So, yes. So there we are. Yes. Um, and this is the, yeah, not to spend too much time on this, but I just the head-scratching of the toilet paper and the water. You know, the abundance of buying those two particular things is a, it's a fascinating thing. As if this idea that the water system will be tainted with virus. Right. Which is not going to happen. Right. But, hey, that's, that's what you get with hysteria and fear. Yeah. And if you want to hear more of us talk about fear, look to the episode previously that we published right. about fear. So... So what are we going to talk about today? Um, so mainly today, we want to spend some time talking about a Christian response to issues like uh, the coronavirus, other pandemics. We want to put it in context. Uh, you sent me a very good article about how actually, uh, for a couple thousand years, Christians have been dealing with situations uh, like this, just as all people have. Right. Um, this is a first for me, really, in my life, in the sense, in, at this level, um, I can remember terms like H1N1 and mm-hmm. SARS and SARS. how in yours and my lifetime we have seen epidemics, maybe not pandemics, which is the word we're you right. know using for this one. Um, it, it, you, the article you sent me it was actually comforting from the standpoint of um, I learned more about some issues I did not know Christians had faced. It reinforced um, some of the ideas I've seen floating around, things like the internet, about um, about epidemics, what, what should Christians be doing. Um, and so we want to talk about that today and encourage everyone. Uh, this is a time to be calm, and, yeah. and this is a time to love your neighbor and those sorts of things, yeah, and, yeah. and so we want to talk about that. Uh, but I, I want us to also, uh, you talked to me a while back that we, uh, so it's it's interesting to me that you found this engaging about Marvel and Brexit, um, and there are going to be new Marvel characters. Now, I'm a nerd in terms of comic books. I was a comic book nerd before being a comic book nerd was cool. Right. Back in the days of uh, times when there were many kinds of nerds, and unfortunately the, the wrestling nerds are the only ones who still have to live in hiding. Uh, it's not cool still to be a wrestling nerd in a lot of ways. No. Um, but all the other kinds of nerds, I mean, we've been, you know, completely vindicated. Yes. You know, uh, we win. Right. And so, I'm not a comic book fan. Yeah. So uh, I don't know where I fit into all this. Uh, right. I think most of me is uh, tired of comic book movies. <laughs> uh, Why do I feel sorry for you? Yeah, I think I saw recently that, uh, and you'll be able to speak more into this, that uh, the um, that uh, there's a new comic book movie coming out with, uh, oh, what's the guy's name, who uh, is in the Fast and the Furious movies. and. Oh, Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel is in this comic book movie. It's a story, it's a movie about a comic book that I had never heard of. Right. And it just seems like they're just grabbing anything they could find that is comic book related and yes. making it into a yes. movie. Yes. And so for us who aren't comic book people, we're like, wow, they're really, hmm. this is it. This mm-hmm. is, and so we have 
coronavirus, and then just comic book movies galore. So it's a mm-hmm. it's a horrible world that we live in. <laughs> oh yeah, no 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 no. And no, no sports. And this is hilarious. So no sports for us people who don't like for comic you. book movies and, and want to just watch March Madness. My people have taken over the world. Yes, in the last y'all have week, made it. In the last week, I have watched Avengers: Age of Ultron, which is Avengers two for the less initiated. Yes. I've watched Iron Man two, yes. and I've watched Guardians of the Galaxy again. Um, so yes, as many other times in the past, Matt, you and I are on different pages about what is a crisis and what is not. Yeah, which is good. For, for for some people, while this is a pandemic crisis, it's a great time for watching all those movies yeah, <laughs> that you right. would never have time to watch, and me would never want to watch unless I was with a bunch of people and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna watch this movie." Okay, we're gonna watch this movie. <laughs> anyway, well, let's start with uh, talking about a Christian response to this. Uh, pandemic uh this article was in foreign policy yeah is that a magazine it is a mag i think it's like um i don't know if it's a monthly magazine uh, i think it is it comes out once a month mm-hmm. um so maybe 12 um editions per year uh, which is about and it's about you know mostly you know international relations type issues um and i used to be a subscriber to this particular magazine because um, I was a political science major, and, and foreign policy actually was my favorite like subject under mm. political science. And so I always find uh, how nations interact with each other very interesting. And um, But I, have a li- I actually had a friend who lives in uh, Nepal who um, posted this article on mm. his Facebook page this, this morning, and I got to you know, call it and read it. And it was interesting because it's a similar uh, piece that someone wrote in the Gospel Coalition uh, last week about Martin Luther, right. and, his, and, this, and Martin Luther was mentioned in this article, who wrote a, a pamphlet, I think Martin Luther wrote a pamphlet on everything. It seems like it. I, I mean, I, I, who knew the last time that that piece, or that, that pamphlet was read, and now all of a sudden it becomes, it's in like multiple articles yep. about how Christians should react to a pandemic in the world. So it's so great that Martin Luther is, you know, we live in a world where people, you know, are so distracted by movies and streaming, and you know, it takes up a lot of your time. Mm-hmm. Back then, in like the 1500s, you wrote a lot. Right. You know, you, like, oh, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write on what we should do as Christians when it comes to like a, a breakout. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna write this pamphlet to help the church. What a what a great uh, resource. And, and and whatever other issues pop up in our history, who, who knows? There may be a Martin Luther pamphlet about it or something like right. that. Right. So, um, and so this is an article called Christianity or uh, Christianity has been handling epidemics for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it. Uh, Lehman Stone. All right. Um, and Practical theology. Yeah, and, and so um, practical theology, you know, having been to seminary, um, practical <laughs> theology is a thing uh, yeah. that, we, that we know about. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, did, I, I certainly did not have a class called practical theology. It was referred to, I remember in my first systematic theology lecture they told us there was such a thing as practical theology right. i think the classes that you, you get close to that is probably like biblical counseling yes or uh, uh, the practice the practice of ministry or pastoral right. ministry who did you have for that class? uh kevin Ezell. okay i had dr york for sure yeah yes good. yeah very funny very enjoyable class oh yeah mine too but, there was, but it was probably that's about as close as you get i think to practical theology kind of right thing. yeah and um man I was very thankful for it because systematic theology involved not only large, broad-scoped lectures, but then uh, reading the systematic theology text along with the other books, very, very large-scale, broad-stroke, big opinions. And I was thankful uh, to get to the point of, in that pastoral ministry class, I remember bringing it down to practice involves, man, crunching down and summarizing a lot of thoughts into, all right, we have to do something about this. Even, like, to the point of, like, how do you do a baptism? Right. It seems like something like, I guess most people in church are like, oh yeah, that's an easy thing, but like, yeah, you have to learn like that particular, like, what are you going to say? Right. How are you going to set up a baptism? So it's the person who's being baptized understands what they're going through, what mm-hmm. is going to happen. Um, yeah, so all those little things, I remember uh, I was a part of a church in Louisville, and our, we had a professor that went to our, went to our church, he was an elder, and he started like a pastoral ministry class like mm-hmm. for us who are in seminary and we went to his old church and practiced baptisms yes yeah we would uh you know practice on someone who's bigger that's right than you yes. someone who's smaller than you because right. it you know because when you think of someone who's bigger than you or someone who's maybe heavier 
that thought of, oh my gosh, how am I going to baptize this person? Right. You, know, you practice and you get right. you know, a little more comfortable. With oh, yeah. And, yeah. and for a small frame guy like me. Yeah. Uh, got to really bend down. That's right. And you got a <laughs> lot of different uh, elements. The only thing I had going for me when we did that was uh, I wrestled uh, in high school. Oh, okay. So knowing how to handle yourself and other people, how to handle weight, more weight than you, center of right. gravity, a lot of issues that you deal with in uh, that capacity turns out are really important in this they setting, are. and thankfully yeah. the water helps you. That does, yeah, yeah, use the water for help. Uh, well, let me ask you uh, as we start with this. So I, I appreciate it very much. Even right at the beginning, he says that this is a time for care, sacrifice, and community. Yeah. And so, care first. What are the ways that Christians ought to be showing care yeah. at this time? Yeah, I remember even yesterday at church, and um, maybe you can talk a little bit about what church looked like for you yesterday at First Southern, but, you know, for us, we, we told people, if you're sick, you know, stay home, okay. and um, we uh, videotape, well, we streamed it online, and yep. so people could watch it online, and that was something I mentioned quite a few times in, in different prayers during the service, is asking the Lord for wisdom, like, how mm-hmm. do, we, and, you know, I don't know about your church, but we have, a, like, an Easter egg hunt. Plans yeah. at the beginning of April, and it's like you're trying to tell people, all right, we have these invitation cards for you to invite people to it, and then I'm like sitting there saying this out loud, going, you know, how do we do this well? Like, okay. how do we invite people in the community to be a part of some important church-related events, yeah. for Easter coming up, um, and how do we go about caring for our neighbor? How do we be involved in the community? How do we? love our neighbors and I you know I'm sitting there going I don't have a really good answer to this right now Uh, other than you know the simple things of you know you um following some of the CDC protocol uh, actually shows care for your neighbor I think some of the attitude of uh oh you know this is a this pandemic is all based a media kind of push or it's political and I'm just going to go about my own life and do the things that I used to do is it's also showing the sense of individualism yes. that actually isn't loving your neighbor, right? right? I think right. that's what you've got in the article writes about. And so even that in and of itself, like sh- not shaking someone's hand, right. being a little bit more awareful, aware of that, I think is a way of caring for your neighbor. Yes. And maybe other ways of thinking through as, in a, as a church or as a community of people or believers or a small group or social class, like how do you continue, though, in the midst of this current climate to still love your neighbor and share the gospel with your neighbor is still something we have to ask and talk about and pray about. And I don't think right now, with a week out of this, do I have a great answer to this particular question. But I think it is something we... We can't do what we used to do, right? We can't go maybe go door to door. We can't, um, you know, maybe we can't do a community event on on our property, but maybe there's other ways that we can show the light of Christ that actually may get people to actually stop and listen maybe right. if we do something a bit different or yeah. we show care in a different way yeah um so i think one thing to be said is that any means of care and of community that can be manifested through our various means of communication mm-hmm. should be yeah. this is this is a unique opportunity to develop clarity in our minds about what you can accomplish mm-hmm. through things like a phone call, a FaceTime, sure. uh, through a Facebook message or an email. Um, I, I have tried as, if you try to have an effective connection with someone, I think uh, being in ministry, you have to gauge constantly what is a way to have a meaningful connection with someone. And you know there are limits right, sure. to uh, phone calls and FaceTime, but I think it's become clear to me that uh, these two things are superior to uh, an email, right. and superior even an email is superior even to a Facebook message. That there should be in our minds um, which are more meaningful ways to connect with people. But then this gives us this unique opportunity to gauge yeah. in ourselves. Okay, why is it so much more meaningful to have face-to-face connection yeah. with people? Yeah. Our our souls will long for that the longer this quarantine yes. goes on. And uh, any studies that you've ever read show that anxiety increases as you right. lose right. personal connection yeah. with people. What do they do in prisons? I mean, like, isolating people right. is a form of punishment. punishment. <laughs> yes. 
And and so people are now being forced to quarantine themselves um, based off health issues and in yeah. the, the, the pandemic that's going on. And so people are going to isolate themselves to protect themselves. But by protecting themselves and isolating themselves from people, it's going to be very... It's going to prevent more uh, a feeling of stress, yep. a feeling of anxiety, a feeling yep. of fear. Yep. As they can, as people continue to distance themselves from people, yep. um, and I think you know the the, artic- the 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 writer of the article is, is it made an interesting point at the end, like, and I don't know, I know that the writer I think believe is a Christian who's in the Lutheran, yes, believe. that's what he said. Um, he's, he, this article is in the Foreign Policy magazine. It's not like right. pushing, it's not Christian Today right, or right. Ligonier Ministry or something like that. It's he, but at the end he makes a conclusion like, this would be a good opportunity to maybe think about church as a way of some kind of lifeline of community right. of people. I mean, the church, what's so interesting about the church is is that it's there. There's a building in your neighborhood and community, and you may have never been there before, but you know that you'll be welcome there. Right. You know you know that if you go there, you'll be welcomed in the midst, and, and maybe this would be an opportunity for you to kind of reflect and pray about what does it look like for me to be involved with other community of people around me and and feel less isolated? Yeah. So, um, so from what uh, the author's written in here, one of the things I had not heard was the term the Antonine Plague, which would uh, somehow tie in in the 100s with a ruler of Rome, uh, oh, yeah. Antony. I guess this is some somehow tied to Antony's ruler. Mm. The Antony, the, bird, uh, the uh, Caesar... Mark Antony. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and so he, he mentioned in there that during that plague, and it's named after Antony now because he created the plague, but because then they didn't have any other way to name the plague. Sure. It was the plague that came around when this ruler was in power. Sure. Um, so Christians cared for the sick and offered a model of understanding the world that was new. The model of understanding the world that was new previous to this time, any plague that came was seen as punishment from the gods right. or God. Right. Um, and the attitude that came out of this was, look, the world is broken, creation mm-hmm. is broken, mm-hmm. this, is not, uh, this is not a side effect of one, anger of the gods, or two, a thing that I think we often don't think about, which is, well, but this is, could have just been that the gods don't care about us at all, they and they are just out. doing yeah. whatever they're doing, and this could have been just a a minor thought from them that they don't even care what we're doing. Yeah. And um, that was unique and interesting to me because um, being fairly uh, self-centered, as a lot of times we are as uh, American people, we either tend to think God is fully loving us and everything we do or fully hating us and everything we do. Right, we, right. It never even often occurs to us that, that the gods or God may just not even have any care or concern. Yeah. Um, but then his... Uh, emphasis in this article was to say that was new when Christians said that. And I do want to say that I've seen a couple of Christian leaders put out some idea, what if God is uh, allowing this plague to teach us how important community is? Uh, One, I want to say, all those people are guessing. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Two, (laughs) we we are not given any inkling. Mostly what we hear in the Bible about what God is doing is his ways are higher than yours. You don't know what he's doing. The world is right, broken, right. and so um, I am not the kind of minister who uh, attempts to say what God could be doing, right. um, other than what the scripture is very explicit about what he's doing, which is offering hope for anyone who would turn from their sins and come to Christ. Yeah. And um, that is so explicit, yeah. while anything else is so cloudy, yeah. especially in a broken world, where it's yeah. like creation is broken at every level, and we have this added burden to know Okay, there are germs, mm-hmm. there are viruses, mm-hmm. bacteria that yeah. uh, both that harm our body, but there are bacteria that help our body, and this is not something we think about very often. I read either. an article in the Wall Street Journal this week, and they did a huge like special on the coronavirus and on virus, and I read, and I, I had to catch myself and read it multiple times, but it said there are more like viruses and bacteria in the universe in the world than there are stars in the sky. Right, like there's. Like, to think about that, like, there's so many things yes. surrounding us yes. that could kill us. Mm-hmm. 
And when I was reading that, I didn't come out with fear, like, oh my gosh. Sure. It was more of like, goodness gracious, look at God sustaining the yes. universe with all of these variables yes. around us, right? Yes. And uh, I remember I ran into somewhere um, Thomas Aquinas' uh, take on what's going on there. He said, this is how much God loves life. Mm-hmm. He puts God, He puts life at the macro scale. He puts life at the smallest, most minute scale. Right. Uh, last week, my, my son and I were playing outside, and... Um, he found a worm in a dirt pile, and he was not happy about finding the worm. And I told oh, really? him, I said, yeah. look at all this ground. Yeah. There are worms under every single oh, spot. Yeah. And um, he said, no way. And so I went and got a shovel. I said, you show me a place to dig. And I dug two big old dirt plots. And as soon as we hit each one, I mean, there's just worms. Everywhere. And there's life. And I told him, I said, yeah. there's life, life everywhere because God yeah. loves life. Right. And um, yeah, the God the living. Now, yeah. okay, there is um, a microbiologist in our church. And what is a virus? His answer was... And, Lord, help me if I get this wrong. Uh, an enzyme wrapped in a protein is what a virus is. Yeah. It, its main function is to reproduce itself. Mm-hmm. It is not a living thing in the sense that we understand living things. It, it, is, it is only, quote, living in the sense that it reproduces. Right. And that's what creates all the trouble. Now, right. typically, if it your immune system... Yeah. Right. So yeah. typically, if your immune system is functioning at basic capacity, your immune system will at some point go, look, this is not us. Right. We've got to get rid of this because right. it's multiplying too quickly, right. and that's what happens when you get sick. Is right. It has gotten you down, but your body is rising up to right. fight it out, right. and that's why most people say, look, if your immune system is already compromised by a different sort of disease or by old age, um, then this can be when there's the most problems right. uh, from this new virus, which right. is rapidly multiplying. Right. This is the reason why we are going through this quarantine. The rate of multiplication of this virus is 100 times uh, H1N1, uh, and which is one of the last times we heard about, you know, mm-hmm. a stressful virus. And that's why, that is the reason for all of this quarantine, is to slow, slow down. how quickly it gets to the right. population, because it's all about capacity at hospitals. Mm-hmm. And not even for you and me, we would probably weather it at home, right, right. just like a flu. Right. Um, but for people who have compromised immune systems, we can't have them like what they're experiencing in Italy, where right. people can't get to a bed in an right. ICU because there's too many patients. Too many patients. So they're doing triage and saying, this is like war. If you look like you might not survive, right. you're not getting a bed. Right, and right, so, right. And no one wants to hear that, but that's right. just the, the truth of the matter. And, uh, you know, going back to your original question, I think, you know, one of the, you know, we were talking, we were joking about the pillow paper, you know, whatever you want to call that, uh, fiasco or people just buying up toilet paper and this sense of fear. If you're a Christian and you go to the store and you're thinking, I need to buy toilet paper for my family, don't buy more than you need. That's right. I mean, that, I that, is, just, that, that is, is love simple. for neighbor. That's yes. a simple thing. Because what you're doing, and I know he gets to this, is what you're doing is, is me and my family is more important than you and your family. That's right. And that is, you know, I think I read something recently as well as like, I think the, you know, the self-centeredness of humanity comes out in events like mm-hmm. this, right? And it's like me and my own, I've got to take care of me and my own. Yeah. Well, Christ calls us out of that right. concern of me and my own. And my concern is now for others. Yeah. And when you have that priority every morning, regardless of the situation, is that I care for others more than myself, that's how Christians can really, in a sense, be the, the, those in this pandemic, or we continue in this tradition yeah. of, of kind of being the servants of the epidemic. And the so you have yeah. taken us to the second point of what he says, which is sacrifice. Mm. That love of neighbor, love is sacrifice, period. That is, right. Right. love is sacrifice. If you... I often say this to students, um, and it's just, it helps your mind to think clearly. Mm. If you want good things to happen for someone else, Mm. but you are not willing to do anything about it, that is called goodwill. Mm -hmm. And goodwill is fine. Goodwill is a good thing, but goodwill is not love. Love is the willingness to sacrifice yourself in any capacity on behalf of another. And right. so we shouldn't mistake goodwill for love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sacrifice is, uh, this. he actually covers this as well during the plague of Cyprian. Cyprian's actually a church leader, and right. this is in the 200s. Um, this is an Ebola-like plague that Cyprian told the parishioners, he said, do not grieve for plague victims. This is not the time. Mm-hmm. Instead, when you feel your grief, 
redouble your efforts to care for those who are sick. And it was the same then. People had an awareness that, but if I'm around sick people, won't that lead to more likelihood of me getting right. sick? Yes, and that is your sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and we have further questions about, okay, but isn't it wise? And there's a tension here even yeah, right now absolutely. about if I'm caring for people by not spreading to them, mm-hmm. but then what if I am a nurse or someone who yeah. has to be caring right. for people and I might be exposed to it? Well, then that is where your Christian obligation and right. for you to consider yourself and to go, if if I have a neighbor who I know no one will care for, then it may well be my Christian obligation to right. care for them right. and say to the Lord, if I am to get sick, then I will get sick. And I think, you know, Luther in his pamphlet says, like, you know, if you're, he talks about fleeing things like this, and, you know, obviously, he makes a point, you can't, if you're a father, you can't flee your children, your wife, mm-hmm. you know, there's responsibility there. But even to the point of those who are important in shepherding people, you know, doctors and physicians and um, politicians as well, like government officials, um, mm-hmm. but also pastors, you know, or clergy in the church, you can't flee these situations. Right. Like, you, we have to be involved in the way that you know the society needs us to be involved. You know, um, obviously, you know, um, if that means for us as pastors that we have uh, people in our church that are in the hospital because mm-hmm. of these, I mean, we should probably be in those hospitals right. ministering to them. Or if someone in their homes needs us uh, in this particular time of need, we don't go with, well, I don't know, what, what do they have the virus? Right. Not out of fear, right. we go into situations out of love, right? And so that does really do help right. in these situations. It does kind of, because every situation is an, is an issue of priority. What yep. values are you prioritizing? And in situations like this, depending on where you are in the context of society, you may have to show duty and responsibility and love over your own personal needs. Okay. And so um, I think that's just something... That we'll have to think through as Christians and as churches is what does that my community, what do the people in my community need, yep. and how can I then fulfill that need? Not what do I need, right. and how do I fulfill my that's needs? Right. You know, um, that's just you. We can't go there, um, right. and I think that's a huge lesson that we'll definitely have to kind of express to the lost yeah. about what the love of Christ is in a situation like right. this. Yeah, right. Um, so you had mentioned I was very struck to read uh, Luther when the Black Plague came that uh, they had the decision to stay yeah. in Wittenberg uh, and to care for the people there or to flee well, yeah. and they stayed and that resulted in uh, the loss of one of his daughters. He lost his daughter Elizabeth yeah. and there in 1527 but they stayed and cared for the sick. Wow. In, yeah. And um, what a what a shocking thing about uh, the distance that history gives, and you go, like you said earlier, we probably never even read this uh, article that Luther had written about how to care for people in the time, but he, yeah. he cared with his whole life, and yeah. he cared as the sacrifice turned out of, of a daughter, yeah. and uh, cannot imagine yeah. cannot imagine what that must have it been It doesn't based off a decision he made, right. you know, right. for a daughter to die. Obviously, he didn't kill her, right? The disease did, but the virus did. But his decision to stay, right? You know, affected her health. Right. He passed away. So, I mean, yeah, these decisions are not somehow um, decisions without any that are all neutral. Yeah. I mean, there's gonna there's gonna be just all positive, or it's all gonna be all negative. Right. There's gonna be impacts on both sides, and so that's where sacrifice and love right. come in. You know. If, if it was something that, well, you can make this decision and you won't be affected negatively in any way, well, then you can't really call that a sacrifice. Right. Um, and right. so, yeah, I think that's just something we're going to have to come to that realization um, sooner than later and start actually impacting people. And I think you mentioned phone calls. Like, that's a an interesting thing. I remember reading something like making sure how do you keep up with people in your church yep. You know, you're probably going to have to sit down, write down on a list, mm-hmm. and start either making phone calls or whatever means of communication that is yep. effective for them. Start keeping up with people. How are you mm-hmm. doing? How can I pray for you? Yep. Uh, I realize we haven't seen you in a few weeks or a month because right. of what's going on. How can, how, do you need anything? Right. Can we serve you in any way? Have you not been able to get out and get anything? Can we get you 
and you think, and those are the things we're gonna have to do. Yeah. You know, and I think this is a, a good time of maybe adapting some new habits. And stuff. Agreed. Yeah. And to spread spread the work. Yeah. Uh, you, there are others who can make these phone calls. We can share in the oh, load. Yeah. It's good. Um, and to trust people to do the work and have accountability. If you know that if it's too much, then let's share it some more. Yeah. But um, this is all really important. Before we leave this specific matter of sacrifice, um, sometimes people put out a caricature that in the first century, uh, during Jesus' ministry even, that everybody just thought that sickness was just a demon possession sort of thing. And, oh, sure. And uh, I would just encourage uh, everyone to read the Gospels and notice that there are categories that they you know, even oh, when yeah. Jesus would walk around and heal yeah. says that sometimes he would drive out demons and that yeah. sometimes he would heal sicknesses Sickness separating that this, too, yeah. and, and there yeah. there are times if you watch closely there are times it says that he drove out demons here and and also he healed the sick here hmm. and that always both of these things were happening but here's the challenge and here's the thought that will run to people's minds that I want us to face head on and that is this um, for Martin Luther, when his daughter died, he was acutely aware, I'm sure, of some simple facts. One, like you said, through his agency, this disease was spread to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Two, God could have stopped it. Yeah, sure. And three, God didn't. God didn't. And he trusted God's providence and God's hand, yeah. which is a challenge. Yeah. And, and believe me, I don't sit here saying, if that happened to me, I would just throw up my hands and go, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It would right. be... I, I pray that I could handle it in, in the power that God would give me, but I think there's a part of us that does want to go, well, l- let me look somewhere else and hope that God maybe didn't let this happen to me. That, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not, that's not wise. Uh, right. God has the power to stop, and, and it is a, a level of trust that we are asked yeah. to have if, if something bad happens. Yeah. That he, Yes, he could have stopped it, but he didn't. Yeah. Uh, and that's challenging. It is yeah, it brought. It was interesting how God does this, like especially when you preach. I know you probably preached this last Sunday, right? Uh, not last Sunday, but okay. the previous one. And uh, when you're you know, regularly <clears throat> preaching, you just sometimes will fall on these texts that you're not in. You know, you weren't thinking to go mm-hmm. there. You just kind of fall there. And uh, we, I was preaching through Galatians three, and it led me to that. Uh, Paul you know, quotes Habakkuk two, where he says, "The righteous shall live by faith." Yeah. And so it took me back to Habakkuk. Habakkuk is like my favorite minor prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, he, he's got some real emotions. He's, he's not happy with God's decision about the prophecy that the, mm-hmm. the Babylonians were going to conquer his, the, the Judah. And in the midst of that difficult situation of, of coming conquest that God could stop, right. God, but yet God is not even stopping it. He's using the Babylonians mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. He says, you, the, the righteous shall live by faith. Yeah, yeah. So in the trust. midst of... Yes. Yeah, trust. In the mm-hmm. midst of difficulties and troubles that are... Yeah, sure, God can stop it or God is permitting it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The, the, the option is to live by faith. Right. To live by trust in God. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the midst of this situation, if, if you're a Christian or if you're even a non-Christian, by faith, right. trust in God. Right. Uh, trust in God, and if you're a non-believer, trust in the, in the blood of Christ for the salvation of your sin. Because, regardless of you, you know, you think, well, I'm never going to be affected by this virus, you know, whatever it is, uh, or even if you're living in complete fear, mm-hmm. the solution is Christ. Because Christ is is not only does He give us life, eternal life, He gives us joy in the midst of struggles, and mm-hmm. but He also like our our confidence is not in ourselves, yeah. but it's in is that in government? Is that in mm-hmm. President Trump or mm-hmm. whomever? It's in Christ, right. and so I think that 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 is like the gospel presentation right. to tell family members and friends yeah. who are struggling with this. So. Everybody has high trust in something. Oh yes, and um, we are finding right now how much weight that trust can carry wherever you put your trust. Uh, this is exposing uh, the hearts of people, yeah. this disease, and, and and all of us, and so. Uh, yeah, and who's trustworthy is right. is the president trustworthy? Is right. the the national director of the CDC mm-hmm. uh, is he trustworthy? Mm-hmm. You're, all, you're always making these calculations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Bible is saying God is the trustworthy one. Right. That's why you show him worship. That's why you show him trust because he's trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the, I think that is the ultimate question during this situation. Who who is 
who are you going to trust? Yep. Um, and if you're a Christian, you trust God, and that then leads you to love others. And, yeah. And be neighborly. Yeah. Uh, which, okay, you're there. Last question then about this, uh, that this article raises is how can we have community um, in this time? How can we wisely have community? Yeah, I, and I do think, you know, like, I know I'm like, I'm running along, born in the 80s and lived through the internet age and stuff, and, and so we use the digital world. I think I think we as sometimes as Christians can sometimes, while we use the digital world, we're almost like, ah, yeah, but we wish it wouldn't exist. We wish it didn't exist at all. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's all bad. Sure. But it's... It's not all bad, and I think the digital world, which when I'm talking about the digital world, I'm thinking like social media type right. things, is it is a good platform for in situations like this. That I mean, churches have been able to continue preaching ministries mm-hmm. even though there's no one in the room. Now, ideally, that's not what we prefer. Ideally, right. we prefer everyone together. I mean, and, and so and, and I think there's a warning there not to find comfort in watching videos of of sermons, but to be a part of the, the body in, in person, but in this particular situation, we have the ability to continue to do our preaching ministries and worship ministries through video, which is which is helpful and good, right. and so that's helpful. Uh, and so I think that I think there's ways. I was thinking about this. And I, we haven't done it yet, so we'll uh, maybe next time I'll be able to give a little bit of a report. But the USI University of Southern Indiana will most likely be like. Closed. I mean, right. when I mean closed, meaning the students will be taking classes online. They won't mm-hmm. be on campus. So you ask a college minister or a church that's trying to reach college students, what does it do? Right. And so my thought was, well, we have a Tuesday night Bible study. Let's see. Let's. Why don't we? Why don't we video stream it mm-hmm. and people can participate online? Mm-hmm. Is it ideal? No, but it does allow us maybe to continue to do our study mark. Yep. And people can continue to ask questions right. um, through you know through the chat like kind of the setting or whatever for the video and kind of see if that allows at least somewhat right. to continue to do teaching ministry and people are continuing to get into the Bible together. Um, I think that's one option um, that we can utilize maybe in the in the coming weeks and months. Uh, again, it's not ideal, but I think it maybe allows us a way to do that. Yeah. Maybe thinking of ways that for smaller, smaller gatherings yeah. of believers who we know really well and um, we feel comfortable being around during this particular time, um, and and try to continue to have you know a sense of love toward one another even in, um, even though we've kind of had to create this distance between one another. We still yeah. think of what how can hey can we get a few people together in the same home? And right. Can we still share food? Can we right. still think of ways to we do this in a healthy way? I think we just kind of think about these things, not distance ourselves from one another. Completely, but all right. Let's use digital platforms. Let's try to think of smaller gatherings. Right. Thinking through the, some of those options, I think, will be a first starter or something. Right. Yeah. Um, the thing about physical contact is, I think it uh, it causes, by its very nature, the scripture verse that I most think of when I, when you think about the fellowship in the biblical yeah. sense that we really are relating and sharing. So that the the, the verse that it talks about that we share one another's sorrows yeah. as well as sharing one yeah. another's joys and the supernatural thing that can happen um, when we are present with each other and when we're open. Um, everybody's known the experience of sharing a difficult thing with someone who then wasn't open and then you feel so horrible about mm-hmm. being vulnerable and then not being received. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are called to share one another's joys as well as sorrows. Uh, I have experienced myself that those sorrows are lessened by sharing them in a very meaningful, powerful, uh, unexpected way, and that in the opposite way, joys are magnified by sharing them with people who care for you enough to rejoice with you when something good happens. Um, So we want to do that. We should use these means uh, that are available through technology. I do think um, one thing to say about this as far as what do we do in the meantime, life is risk. Yeah. You have to still live, right. and you and I talked this morning, okay, we're going to get together today. Right. Uh, is it worth it? Right. And this is, uh, in, in, the, uh, in the wisdom that God provides us, we should make decisions every day 
about what is good and wise for us in terms of meeting with other people and not know yourself well enough to know if your tendency is to go, I can make it on nothing. No, you cannot. Right. Don't trust yourself that right. much. Right, right, right. And if your tendency is to go, I can brush all this off, it's nothing. No, it's not. Right. Um, and so know yourself well enough to make that decision and then have life, have people that you share your life with regularly yeah. because you have to have that. Yeah. We need each other. Yeah. You should have time with your family. You yeah. should have time with Christian brothers and sisters. You should have, uh, there are questions like you were referring to about size of gatherings, mm-hmm. um, but do not just go to nothing and be surprised when it is bad for your soul. Uh, yes. That's really important in this time, and, and, and it is. Yeah. Life is risk. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think even the guy in the article, I mean, churches need to gather. I mean, mm-hmm. he makes that point. Right. Like, he says, like, you know, one of the ways that we as Christians can help our society is by the importance of gathering. Mm-hmm. Is there, what other what other entity in our society is there a, a we have to gather? Right. There isn't one. I mean, Congress right. doesn't have to gather, right? right? Um, you know, your local, um, you know, Rotary Club mm-hmm. doesn't have to gather. Right. Your local like running club doesn't yep. have to gather, right. Right? right? The only church is 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 forced by the authority of God to gather, mm-hmm. and, and so even this thought, if you were asking like, are you going to cancel church? Is that the thought of canceling church? You just you're you're just like we can't do that. Mm-hmm. We we must gather. Mm-hmm. You know we must you know present warning, present cautions. You know like we disinfected everything in this building we possibly can think of. You know, try to have hand sanitizer. You're not trying to be stupid. Mm-hmm. You're just like, we have to gather. And I think that is an important call on us. And you're right. I mean, we don't, We, yeah, what do we do with the CDC saying don't, uh, over 70 or 50? What is it? 50 people gathering. 50 people, yeah. yeah. We don't want to, we don't want to break the government. That's is, right. God has given the authority yes. to government. So we shouldn't go, well, you don't know what you're doing and God will protect us. And God uses the these institutions to protect us. Mm-hmm. So let's not. Just, just ignore that. But okay, so we have a little bit of room there. Right. So how do we do this where we're we're pursuing gathering together, doing it wise, doing it under prayer and, and asking God for wisdom, thinking, uh, listening to those who, who have more knowledge in these areas like the CDC and go, okay, this is what we're going to do. Right. As a church, we're right. going to have these gatherings, the small gatherings here. We're going to do some stuff yep. on video. Yep. We're going to do some stuff through digital means. Yep. Um, but we're not going to stop being the church. Even though the NBA can stop playing basketball games or the NCAA tournament can stop playing their tournament games, we are not going to stop being the church. Right. You know, And it's just too important not only for our souls, but for the lost souls. Right. You know, we are the, we are, what, are the, what is the way that I like the definition, that churches are um, embassies of heaven on earth. Right? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the world still needs embassies of heaven right. with a pandemic going yeah. on, yeah. So to tie it up, uh, I would like to read, this is from a an article by C.S. Lewis written in 1948 uh, called On Living in an Atomic Age. Mm. Uh, the world was uh, awake to the fact that uh, atomic bombs can cause massive destruction yeah. and it caused dread and fear inside of the hearts of people. To think about, our civilization could be wiped out. Yeah. Me and all the people I care about could be completely blown up. Yeah. And um, so I, I have seen this shared multiple times. I'd read it before, and uh, it has been meaningful, again, to read it thinking about thinking about this crisis that we're in right now, the fear that we all face. It, the fear when we look at doorknobs, we look at everyday things, and we look at bars along, you know, that you push to open a door, and then you think about who's touched it and what, and that the rising. I mean, one of the funniest things about this um, advice you get about, well, listen, just wash your hands. And here's the thing. For any of us who have tried to think this through, it's like, oh, all you have to do is wash your hands every time you touch a doorknob. <laughs> or it's just like, this is why this is stressful, right, guys. You need soap and you need water. Constantly. That's right. Yeah, you're not always in a place of soap and water. Right. right. And so um, it's just not as simple as, as that. As, yeah. oh, you know, you only touch... 50 doorknobs, you know, every section of the day. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you wash your hands and you end up cracked and dry. And um, so 
I, I thought this was helpful from the standpoint of the fear that attempts to grip us, um, and uh, I thought it would be a good way for us to close uh, this segment. So here's what he says. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. <laughs> we had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, mm. but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. Mm. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. Wow. That was really good. That from a man who fought in World War One. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows always, that of which he yeah, speaks. It seems like his writing, it always, it always has a, a voice in whatever age we're in. Um, yeah, I, that goes, you know, and maybe this will be the last thing I say about this, but um, I just want to encourage you to, um, you know, take precautions. But, you know, if you regularly go to the gym, regularly go to That's the right. gym. Uh, we, me and my dad went on Saturday, and, you know, we were a little bit more cautious about, what, like, you know, using... Uh, hand sanitizer, uh, wiping down, but you know we should have been doing that anyway, sure. right? <laughs> Sweat and all these different things that yeah. happen. Um, but do that. Um, you know, um, go to the store. Don't buy everything that you possibly could think that you may need, but just get what you need at that moment and 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 wait if right. they run out. Right. Don't don't panic. Right. Um, and uh, and go back. You know. When it's, re when it's reasonable to go back and, and pick up what you need, you know, after they're done, they're going to stock the the uh, the, the shelves again with, yes. with toilet paper and other canned goods and stuff. So don't panic, relax, take precautions, but go about your day. Yep. You know, that's right. All right, I've been waiting for this. Now, your interest in this Marvel and Brexit story is more the Brexit side, which yeah. is um, I mean, just here's shocking and amazing to me. Here's the deal, though. <laughs> a little bit about me is uh, I am like an Anglophile like, okay, to, yes. to, the, to the degree. Like, I, I, if, if I love Britain. I love everything British. And it would, again, like dress like C.S. Lewis if it was appropriate to dress that way okay, in everyday life. Okay. Uh, like, yeah, it, like uh, that's just kind of my thing. Um, and uh, so anyways, yeah. Actually, just to say this is kind of funny, uh, I've always wanted to drive a Jaguar, and so when I went to Florida in early fall, um, I rented a, a Jaguar. It wasn't too expensive. I found this like dealership rental place that was, it was pretty, it was inexpensive. It was actually about the same price you would get from a normal rental car. And I rented a car for a week, and I enjoyed it for the I week. I bet, sure. <laughs> so that's that. Was, but you know, here's the funny thing. After I was done with it. I gave it back and was done. I was I, my film was, I was satisfied. Yes. I was good. So anyways, okay. yeah. Okay, so the story on this Marvel and Brexit situation mm -hmm. is what? Uh, going back, I think it was like a week ago. Um, so basically, uh, if I get my facts correct, to create... And now, you were, you were helpful because you said that some of these characters were already existing. Yes. But maybe not in the mainstream. Right. Um, that they have created some... Uh, uh, Marvel characters, superheroes, to represent different groups or or, or groups of people within the UK. Mm -hmm. So you have like the British 
right. superhero. Then you have like a Welsh, mm-hmm. a, uh, a, a Scottish, mm-hmm. Northern Ireland, uh, and then an English superhero. Okay. And they're a team. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying. I think it's called the Union team. Okay. I can't remember exactly. I remember it, it, the Union. I think is in. But I think what it's going because one of the issues that this is where I found interesting was one of the potential consequences of Brexit is, and then if you don't know what Brexit is, it's the UK, Britain, uh, exiting the, the EU. Yes. And one of the issues is, is that this could cause Scotland and Northern Ireland right. to then maybe have their own exit, exit from Britain or from the UK. And it won't be nearly as catchy. Irexit yeah. or Scottexit. Because no. Ireland isn't part of the EU, and then Northern Ireland could then unify with Ireland completely and be part of the EU together. Okay. Scotland has always wanted its independence okay. from England. We can go all the way back to yes. William Wallace and yes. Braveheart. Scotland and, is free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, and so they've always. I think I can't remember the exact year, but it was from the recent. Uh, they had a, a vote to separate their mm-hmm. independence. Um, that seems like that may come up again now that the Brexit thing. Because okay. what's interesting is when you think about the UK, you think of England, London, and the Queen, that yeah. type of thing. But you have these other different people. Like Welsh, like well, I mean uh, uh, Wales. Wales. They don't even speak the same language. I mean they they have their Wales, own yes. yeah it's Gaelic a language. Right, or yeah, like that. there's an episode of The Crown where they send Prince Charles to uh, to Wales to learn the language to kind of to have this sure, to yeah. show this kind of you know because he was going to be the Prince of Wales even though he never lived a day in uh, Wales uh, you know? and so um, but so anyways there's so our, Scotland has a more European. High. Mm-hmm. It even goes back to John Knox days, where uh, uh, Queen uh, Queen Mary, uh, well Queen um, the Queen Mary of uh, Mary Queen of Scots, Queen, yeah, yeah, Mary Queen of Scots, she was connected to France. Okay. During this time, so these other like Scotland has always kind of had this more of European tie and connection okay. than maybe Britain or England has, and yeah. so like there's some history there going on that may come up again in the coming mm-hmm. years. Post Brexit, so I think this is an, oppor- an opportunity or a chance to kind of unify or use the kind of superhero comic book fictionized world to create a union in the minds of people. Well, let me say the, the shared, first the thing identity, yeah. that I welcome is a superhero team. Uh, characters that are modeled after each of these would be a help to me because one, not being an Anglophile, two, Europe already being this mishmash of so many different identities of countries and histories. Um, yeah. I mean, my name is Dutch. That is the extent of the Dutchness to me. Uh, right. Van Dyke is a is, is Van. from the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my family lost that connection a long time ago. Um, and so that that much history and story in Europe alone is a problem that I welcome a superhero team to even give me a flavor of what is Wales right. versus England versus Britain right. versus... Ireland versus Northern Ireland right. versus Scotland because my mind just blah, my mind just washes right. of just I have no idea um, that it, it, it's the UK I've been thankful for that phrase at least like oh I can unify that in my mind but apparently that political unifi- unification is not only weakened it is it is staggering and uh, just to tie a little bit back to our last segment the economic damage already caused to Italy and other European countries is going to cause further strain. One, I can guarantee you, England is glad they have Brexited because they they cut the economic ties to the rest of Europe, which is in bad shape right. uh, now. And uh, I was hearing from a friend of mine this morning that London and uh, all of the, the UK has taken some different measures than the rest of Europe about uh, they're still having school, as far as I know, and, and they are cutting non-essentials rather than cutting essentials to this point. Um, and so I welcome that team. Uh, there have already been, uh, back when I was reading in the 90s, mostly when I was reading all of the X-Men comics, there was a team okay. called Excalibur, which was based in England. Sure. Um, Muir Island. Uh, Muir Island, yes. And so and, and a lot of the people were, were European in descent, and... and um, so uh, I know of a lot of heroes who have been involved in that. Uh, the main character you should know about, just it, it, the easiest one to remember, just as there is a Captain America, there is a Captain Britain. Yeah. He has been around for at least 40 or 50 years. 
He's super strong. He's kind of just a Superman-like character. Gotcha. He's big. He can fly. Wow. Um, so he's not... Uh, Captain America is an interesting character because he's pretty vulnerable as superheroes go. He's a super soldier, but he's nowhere near... The movies, anybody who's not a comic book person, the movies kind of oversell him in terms of, like, if you're going to pick a guy to fight Thanos at the end of Infinity War, Captain America's not going to be your guy, okay? Right, right. Like, Thor and Hulk and Iron Man so outclass Captain America and what they're capable of, but, yeah. man, they really overplayed him. Like, yeah. he's the guy that ends up in the kind of one-on-one fight, and that's not the case in the comics. But yeah. long story short, um, I think that's a wonderful thing. I think that uh, comics are educational, one. I think I have learned, uh, and, and you're not going to believe me if you haven't read too many comics, but believe me, I own a couple of thousand comics. Mm. I have learned more vocabulary by yeah. reading comic books. Um, there are, yes, there are weak stories that are not very deep. There are stories that have such depth to them. Yeah. And they're very entertaining uh, yeah. to the extent uh, that right now uh, we will go back and forth some nights. My four-year-old son, we will read a Spider-Man comic. Oh, fantastic. And some nights we will read, you know, uh, just a brown bear, brown bear, what do you yeah, see? Sure. Uh, and and so uh, it's, a, it's a great time to be a comic book fan. Yeah. Um, this situation with England, it is another fascinating thing to think that Brexit happened just shortly and com- was completed just shortly, within uh, a month ago or two months. Uh, finally, uh, they did cut ties. They had voted to cut ties. They voted again to cut ties. Finally, uh, Boris Johnson. Yeah, that I was pretty much the, the end deal when he won. He brokered it, When yes. he won the, the downing, you know, number 10. Mm-hmm. He, he became prime minister. That pretty much was it because, I mean, he was able to rally the, those who supported the Brexit and then they were able to get pushed through yep. because Theresa May just was not able. She didn't, have this, she didn't have the conviction for it and I don't think she was able to rally yep. as many people as Boris was. And Boris, I believe, when he, but after he was mayor of London, like he was kind of one of the big champions for Brexit. Like, yeah. He was one of the big pushers for the vote. And uh, so this is a big, big issue for him. And... Um, yeah, you know, I going. You know, comic books are interesting as a as a genre. To, to, to talk to someone who loves them so much, you know, for someone like me, like so, um, the movie nineteen seventeen. Have you seen this? I've not seen okay, it. Okay, so this is a movie about you know Britain Britain uh, heroism right mm-hmm. during World War One, mm-hmm. and like I love everything about that movie. Mm-hmm. You've got like young men being forced into this. This war that they never started. Like this, right. the war, uh, World War One started with issues with Serbia and the Australian Hungary Empire and all these other nations kind of folded into some uh, some alliances that they had made in the past. And and so you have these British people, these British boys, forced into this war. And right. you have this two characters who are who have to, in a sense, are sent on this mission and um, to to basically save fifteen, sixteen hundred men from being being annihilated by the right. German forces and and to see the heroism and 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 this struggle to get this this one piece of news that hey what you think is not actually what is true you're going to get destroyed yep. you know you're going to lose all your men mm-hmm. it's such an interesting thing and to me like and I watched another movie recently a lot of people watch a lot of movies the operation finale uh, about the uh, capturing Adolf Eichmann mm-hmm. who was the direct, who was a, the architect for the final solution of killing all the mm-hmm. the Jews during the Holocaust, and the, the struggle of those uh, Israeli spies to capture him, and not to capture him to kill him, but to get him back right. to Israel to be tried. Right. You know, and because at that time he was living in Argentina under a fake name, and the Argentinian government were never going to have the Israelis bring him out yeah. they had to capture him and secretly get him out of the country wow. yeah. and like those stories like which they don't make as much money I get it but yeah. those stories are like really captivating because they're uh-huh. history they're mm-hmm. real and I, I always kind of think of myself like if I was in the, those same situations you know what would drive me to in that like 1917 to run as these Germans are shooting at you jump in this river so that you can get this one piece of news to this one group to save them all right. from death, you know, right. it, it's so you, know, you find out at the end of the movie that this particular character had a wife at home, mm-hmm. right? someone he loved, and he was sacrificing himself, right. his heroism, putting himself at risk to save yeah. these other people. And while his, I guess his girlfriend or wife says in this one message, 
come home safe. Yeah. He was not doing things right. to come home safe. Right. But he was doing it to save other people. Yeah. Significant. Yeah. yeah. I want to say one more thing in praise of comic books acknowledging their limitations and flaws, sure. and that is that often what happens in comic books is a lot of ideas are boiled down to something simple. Mm-hmm. But what that does is that it enables you then um, to take this character in. The, the amount of design that goes into to making a costume and a characterization. Um, but what it does, though, you know, for instance, think about the way Captain America is characterized in, in these movies. Um, they, they had to bring him out of uh, this past time travel uh, sort of, he was in the ice. Well, that's because we have not come to believe in America as a uh, spreader of freedom. But in the 1940s, it was pretty clear that we were. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so you bring Captain America because he is a symbol of freedom. Oh, yeah. And that is what comic book characters do in the comic books more specifically, but in these movies, they symbolize big ideas. I mean, the right. Hulk symbolizes rage. Right. And right. the power of anger, but then the danger of anger. Right. right, right. Um, and so all of these characters do that. And yes, these are caricatures. Mm-hmm. They, they are not realistic. They right. abstract a big idea, and then they let it run loose and to see right. what it can do. And that's right. very powerful and meaningful to watch that. Right. And so, yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, of course it is. Right. But it's also instructive. And so any, any uh, especially for what you're talking about, a, a team of superheroes attempting to distill down Scotland into a single character, oh, yes, right. it will be oversimplified. Right. And it will be a stereotype. Right. But it can be done, and it should be done, because it is difficult to learn about all that is going on in our world, and you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so, a character in a ridiculous costume is as good a place to start as any. Right. And um, that is what is amazing about uh, comic books. It is they they are exploring ideas. These movies are exploring ideas. I just watched Iron Man two the other day. the The whole movie is actually about what will we give for safety? How how much is it worth to have security? Uh, Peace in our times, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Stark's idea of privatizing peace, uh, and and we are in the process, day by day, sure. of giving up a lot of freedom, as we are being uh, surveilled by our phones, who are gathering information about us, and sure, the companies have those, but then the government also has mm-hmm. that data about us. We give that up. Oh, yeah. And the price, we're giving it up because we want safety and security. Mm-hmm. And we will see the outcome of that. Um, and this is why we need stories. The stories enable us to explore what we're doing right. and how will it play out so that we can be prepared for the end of the story and where, where it goes, the twists and turns that it takes. And um, I, I don't buy many comic books anymore. If I buy mm-hmm. any, there's a couple of shops in town. And I can, frankly, go buy 10-cent comics that are that are left over from the old days or, or ones that they just have so many extra copies of, I can find usually something that I would like and I buy, you know, about three or four. Um, it's great to have 10-cent comics because then if one of my sons destroys one, I kind of go, great, Ten fine. Cents, right. You know, I can th- bring myself to throw it away where right. I, I paid. Well, I tell you what, back in the day, a deluxe comic, three ninety-five, you know, and I would not have been happy if one of my boys tore one of those up, you know. Yeah. And so, um, really neat. I think that's a... A great story. Yeah, I wonder uh, if it'll and, create a like a, a kind of a you know. I know Spain has their in issues of like, uh, Catalina, Catalonia. Catalonia what's their independence from oh, Spain? Okay. Mm-hmm. You have these other European countries that have these groups of people that actually want their independence. Especially you think of like Eastern Europe with the uh, the Kosovo's and the Serbians and the uh, the Croatians. You know, all these yeah. different countries at one time were all kind of mixed together in, in different ways. You think of like having superheroes that represent like different ethnic groups, sure. right? You mm-hmm. know, you have like you think of like Turkey and the uh, Kyrgyzstan, the Kurds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Usually at odds with one another. Uh, a large group of Kurds live in like what, what uh, eastern parts of Turkey and mm-hmm. northern part of of Iraq and parts of Syria, and they want their own nation. You think of like mm-hmm. the Kurds. Superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Fighting mm-hmm. against the Turkish superhero sure. or whatever yep. it is. Yep. You have like these kind of um, uh, geopolitical rivalries being played out 
like mm-hmm. a, a comic book world, and uh, that would be someone like me who's a foreign policy little nerd would probably get into something like sure. that, you know, yeah. if you're able to kind of like, you know, one of the things I love about James Bond was it was a, it was a Cold War uh, entity, right? He always fought the, the Russians a lot mm-hmm. of times, right? Uh, and so you had this Cold War, kind of like the bad guys were very, it was the, it was the Russians, right, the Soviets, and you had the, the British agent who's the good guy, mm-hmm. and he would fight against the bad guy, and, you know, like, that makes sense in a geopolitical kind of idea, they're putting some fictional things involved in it, but you kind of get, okay, they're the bad guys, they're the good guys, right. and that's kind of what's actually going on in the real world. And so um, I think that, you know, comic books and that is, it has a place and sort of other fictional stories that we like have a place in this kind of geopolitical world. Yeah. You know, so, anyway. Well, we'll see what comes of it. Maybe, you know, by next week you'll have read a comic book and I will have read Foreign Policy magazine. The only comic book that I've ever read is not a traditional comic book. It's a graphic novel. Okay. Which I guess is different. I don't know. Oh, I read. Um, I read the uh, what's the one that, that's really popular that it just made it to the TV show. Oh, you're talking about the Watchmen. The Watchmen. Yeah. Yes, I read that not a month ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's the only comic book I read, and uh, it's very interesting. Oh yeah, that one is. Uh, speaking of ideas, there are a lot of ideas in that one, and it is very well written. Yeah, mm-hmm. Alan, Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a big fan of V for Vendetta. I know that was based off one of his mm-hmm. novels and things like that. So maybe there is a genre for me. I just, you know, haven't, you know, dove into it too deep. (laughs) All right. Well, let's tie it up there. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Pray that you bear up under this challenge. We'll all be doing our best, and we hope to be able to keep getting together. Yeah, so we'll see if you let us. That's right. All right.